Hey, this is the Friends with Businesses podcast. In this episode, we talk with Brittany Cole, founder of Career Thrivers. Career Thrivers is a leadership development firm that equips organizations to build inclusive leadership teams and to be the type of workplace where diverse millennial talent thrives. They do this through a one-on-one coaching, group coaching and workshops, events, and they have a long list of corporate and small business clients who they have helped. Listen up because you're going to love hearing from Career Thrivers founder, Brittany Cole. Okay, I'm Elizabeth. We are here with Friends with Businesses podcast and with my co-host, Blake Ermis. Good afternoon, Elizabeth and Brittany. We are also here today with Brittany Cole, founder of Career Thrivers in Nashville, which we are really excited to hear all about for the next few minutes. So Brittany, remind me, are you from Nashville? I am. So first, friends with businesses, thank you so much for having me on. Super excited to share with y'all today. So yes, I am a Nashville native. That's right. Yeah, you don't meet many of those around here anymore. <laughs> Wait, so we no, have I two Nash- we have two Nashville natives on the podcast today. We do. Yeah, I am too. I knew Brittany for a few months before I realized that she was also a native. So really exciting. <laughs> we take ourselves a little bit too seriously sometimes. Just a little. Perhaps. So, Brittany, you and I met for the first time at the Entrepreneur Center, correct, in pre-flight. What was your pre-flight experience like? Wow. So, pre-flight was definitely a great experience for me. I was a little hesitant about uh, saying yes initially when I learned about it because I wasn't sure if it was the right fit for me. So, I was at the stage in my business where I had already started and most of the information around pre-flight said, hey, this is the place to test your idea. Um, So, initially, I thought, okay, that must mean this is for people that haven't started. But as anyone that's in business will tell you, you need to always be testing your idea, uh, regardless of the stage that you're in. So it was perfect for me because, um, and I think I actually enjoyed the fact that I had already started and kind of made one big pivot and was trying to kind of figure out what the exact business model was going to be. So the class, the 14 weeks helped me to get really clear about, okay, this is the business model that I'm testing for at least the next year (laughs) Um, until we come up with the next plan. Uh, And it really helped me to validate that and meet great people like you. So great. Well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Pre-flight did the same for me, helped me test out an idea to see is this a viable business option and gained a lot of clarity through the process. And yeah, it's so glad to meet you and thank you for being on the Friends with Businesses podcast today. Um, so we want to get to know you just as a per- person before we hear a lot more about that business. And I'm really excited because you used the P word pivot. And so we know we have an exciting, exciting story oh coming up, and I don't know that story yet. Um, so tell us just a little bit more about you, where you, what you like to do when you're not working, your family, or whatever you want us to know about you. 
Oh my goodness. So I get free reign with this story. It's not the usual, like, tell us where, when you started your business. Free uh, reign. Yeah. <laughs> free reign. Okay. So I'm originally from Nashville, as I said, born and raised here. I am the youngest of three. So I have two older brothers. Both are married. I have two nieces, two nephews. Um, grew up in a really loving home. My dad is a Baptist pastor. So I'm a PK. Um, Which is preacher's kid. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, an interesting fun fact. So we always lived in Nashville, Tennessee, but my dad pastors still uh, a church in Columbia, Tennessee, in Murray County, which is a little over an hour. So we've always growing, at least growing up, we always uh, commuted to church, which was different from <laughs> at least everyone that I knew. Uh, and not just on Sundays, being a PK, you travel to church on Wednesday a lot of Saturdays and definitely on Sunday. So, you know, the running joke uh, when I graduated college and, and moved out on my own, it's like, okay, I can actually go to church on Sunday and be done with church by one and not four or five getting home. <laughs> <laughs> After you finish visiting everybody, having lunch and then making the hour commute back. So, uh, wow. so yeah, a lot of fun times uh, on the weekends growing up. I uh, grew up as an athlete too. A lot of people don't know that, but I played uh, basketball basketball, AU, all, all of the things. Uh, we, were, we were very active, took dance, um, played volleyball and did track when I was in high school. So um, had, a, had, a, had a really colorful um, childhood growing up. And then I decided to go to UT Knoxville for college. So I took a, a full academic scholarship and ended up studying political science and communications. I was on this pre-law path, um, was very decided, like, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. And my sophomore year, so I was introduced to En-ROADS, which is a career development organization for Students at the time, they had a high school component, so it prepared you for getting into college. So we would do things like Toastmasters for public speaking. We would do things like ACT and SAT prep. Um, and then once we got into college, it was preparation for your career. So you had an opportunity to do internships with corporations. And so I was introduced to corporate America after my sophomore year of undergrad. So I took an internship um, at Pfizer. And so I ended up interning there for two summers and then had a really great opportunity to get a full-time offer the fall semester of my senior year. So it's like, okay, I either go down this law path of taking this LSAT, which I had planned to do and did, and be in debt, um, or I can take this really, really nice job. So my thought initially was, I'll take this job. It's back in Nashville so I can move back to Nashville and I'll save and then go to law school and um, haven't been to law school. So <laughs> that's okay. how that went. <laughs> I had a really, really great career at Pfizer. I did everything there from uh, pharmaceutical sales, just kind of the tradi traditional entry path to brand management, to sales management, to um, leading several diversity and inclusion programs. And so, um, and just recently, Elizabeth, as you know, left Pfizer last August to leap full-time into my business. So um, that's a little bit about me. I'm married, uh, Joe and I've been married five years, a little over five years. We met in high school, so all kinds of fun stories there. Uh, but we started dating at UT Knoxville. And so, yeah, we are excited to be back in Nashville. Cool. 
Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I'm so curious to hear. It sounds like you said you were introduced to corporate America your sophomore year of college. Is that right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Introduced to it. So coming from a family, your dad was a pastor. It sounded like a lot of your life really revolved around church. Was corporate America something that felt foreign? Was it a place that you really weren't familiar with and thought you'd never end up? Or what was that like transitioning there? Yeah, so I, I would say it it surprisingly wasn't foreign. And that's really because of the experience uh, of my mother's career. So my mom had has always been really ambitious. She actually started her career in sales, uh, working for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And then she ended up transitioning. She worked for the YWCA. She had a social working background and did some work with the Job Corps as well. So in terms of like seeing the traditional in the office, woman working, I had always had that modeled for me. So when it came time to take the leap into corporate America, it was kind of like, okay, you know, this this is kind of like what my mom does. You know, this is this is going into work. I will tell you though, the part that was interesting was being an intern at the time. Uh, so obviously being the youngest on the team, but also working with a team that was not familiar with working with diverse talent because the whole kind of point of the internship in the program was to introduce diverse students to corporate opportunities. And so it was a positive play for the corporation because it was an introduction into a diverse talent uh, pipeline that that the or, that the corporation didn't necessarily have to train and develop because they had inroads for that. So inroads was doing all the professional development and career development. Here's all of this great top talent be introduced to this great company. And then on the benefit for the talent was, hey, this is a, an amazing competitive advantage. So um, it really is an interesting model. And it's it's so it's so interesting even sharing the story with you now because so much of it is like, I, I, I'm meant to be where I am in terms of my business and what I do because a lot of it um, is woven into, into how I was brought up and how I was introduced to corporate. And now I do very similar work now with Career Thrivers and so, yeah. That's okay. Pretty cool awesome. Yeah. So we didn't hear about your mom the first time around, but that makes perfect sense that yes. you saw that model and weren't scared to kind of change course when you graduated college. So any plan to still go to law school or have you, <laughs> have you, is that still down the pike at all? You know, I, I don't think about it much at all. I used to, though. So I'll never forget, maybe like three years into uh, my career at Pfizer full time. So I graduated, was working, was having some good success. And I had a manager that was an attorney. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and he was like the don't get it. You know, don't go down this path. You don't want to do this field. You know, he was very anti his his previous career, but I actually looked into it. And of course, here in Nashville, we have Nashville School of Law, which at the time had, and I believe they still do, but almost like an executive JD that you can do while you were working. So I'll never forget, I put this like really great, or I thought it was great, proposal together <laughs> to ask Pfizer to cover uh, my tuition to go back 
to, because they, they would do that for graduate degrees, but because this was a specialty degree, they decided not to do it. But um, that's probably the last time that I brought up like going back to law school, but I don't necessarily see myself going down that path at this point. Mm -hmm. My initial thought was never that I would practice law. I always kind of saw myself at that point when I was thinking about law school as kind of working in-house um, at a corporation. And so, you know, that's kind of how I saw um, myself maybe working in, in compliance or something like that. So yeah, I can't necessarily see it at this point. Yeah, got it. So you ended up where you wanted to end up anyway. Yes. So far. <laughs> so far, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then my next question, very similar. You were in corporate America for how long did you say? 15, 12, 12 years. 12 years. Mm -hmm. How did you decide to leave it, to leave the safety of a job with Pfizer and start what is now Career Thrivers? That is the million dollar question, Elizabeth. <laughs> and why? <laughs> That's the other question. How and why? Something I ask myself every day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like I answered this question. So why did you leave Pfizer again at least once a week? Um, so so I feel prepared. <laughs> um yeah, so there, there, there are a lot of moving parts, as there, there always are. I'll say this to start. So I actually started my business um, doing image consulting. So I've always had this love for fashion, and so I can remember um, making the decision finally to say, okay, I'm going to kind of just put myself out here and see if I can help women to feel more confident, to show up in a more confident way by helping them with their look. It's a skill I have. I see a lot of opportunity. <laughs> so I'm going to start this image consulting business. And so I did. I was living in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the time, uh, of course, working for Pfizer. So this was my this was my side hustle. And I thought my customer was going to be women who maybe had a special event, um, maybe women that wanted to kind of updo, upgrade their entire wardrobe. But my client actually ended up being professional women who were making a career transition and it had an impact on their wardrobe. So because so maybe they got... How did you discover that? Bef yeah, before you keep going, I want to hear that too. But how did you realize that your client wasn't who you thought she was? Yeah, so I realized that when I would be in a closet in a client's home or in a dressing room and I'd get asked questions like, can I send you my resume to look over it? Or I'm ha I need to have a conversation with my manager. What do you think I should say? And so when the questions, when the conversation started to change um, in these sessions that I thought were going to be about wardrobe and clothes and image, I said, hmm, I see kind of an opportunity here to pivot into career coaching. And it's so funny because I can remember being so nervous to make this change, y'all. And now I, I, I even feel ridiculous even saying like how <laughs> nervous I was about, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? Are people going to get it? This is totally different. People know me for style. They don't know me for career. They know I have a career, but so there were like all of these things. And it was it was so simple. Um, I, I like to use the analogy of um, especially pivoting in business of like, you know, when you decide to, to renovate your house. As a woman, I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but sometimes I get bored comforter <laughs> per se, or maybe the paint on the wall and you don't like knock down the, the wall or, you know, knock down the house. You just kind of say, OK, maybe I'm going to do some wallpaper or maybe I'm going to change the spread, you know. And for me, it's kind of like, OK, that's 
how particularly service-based businesses are. It's like, you're just moving things around. You're redecorating or renovating at best, but the foundation of the house is you. You're the brand. So if you want to make this change, explain it and move on and people will get it. Um, and so that, that's what I did. I'm like, okay, I kind of see this more of an organic opportunity that's happening here. And so I decided to rebrand my business and specifically focus on helping women move to the next level in their career, which I was doing with Pfizer on the side and also speaking. And so to get to the question about how I made the decision to leave, that started to grow to the point where I was having to turn down opportunities to do more work with different organizations. Um, and so I had that going on, but Work was still going really well. I do not have the entrepreneurship story of, you know, I hated my job. And so I decided to start a business. Like I loved what I was doing. I was doing a lot of the same things, you know, under the safety of a really comfortable corporate check <laughs> that I do right now today. Um, but through some organizational change, it was a really good opportunity for me to take the leap and take the leap at a high point. And the organization where I knew I would have the support to go forward. Mm. And I've had amazing support from colleagues that I work with. Um, it's so funny. I just I decided to do, I don't know, for some reason, like I had this thing about just sending an email saying that I was leaving the, the company. So I recorded a video and sent it with a lead magnet for people to send in their email addresses. I just always felt like it was really inefficient to like type up an email and say, hey, here's my personal email address and my phone number if you ever need me. Like, I never reached out when people did that. Right. I, I wanted right. to be able to still communicate. Um, and so I had over 100 people like share their personal contact information with me, which has been amazing for lead generation for things that I'm, you know, you know, now pursuing in my business. So, I mean, it, it, it's been it's been really awesome. I couldn't have asked for a better kind of inroads into full time entrepreneurship. So. Um, so, yeah, I made the decision to to do it. <laughs> wow. So. How long did you overlap? How long did you have the side hustle, you called it, and also have your corporate job with Pfizer? So about four and a half years. Okay. So you had a nice little on-ramp. Yes. And then, so you said it got to the point where you were turning down speaking jobs and other projects with your styling business, your side hustle. And that was one of the reasons why you knew that you could do more because you had more business that you couldn't even get around to. That's a good indicator, I guess, that you're doing something right. Absolutely. And I, and I also, you know, saw it as an opportunity for me to really live in my mastery. And I, I talk to clients about this a lot in the coaching space because I think we spend so much time working which is fine, but we spend a lot of waking hours, you know, working in a career. And I believe that it makes the most sense for you as an individual, but also the company that you work for to be in a space where you can really thrive, which for me really means that you're working in alignment with what you believe your natural strengths and abilities are, or what some people may call a purpose or calling, you know, that those things align for you, um, you know, Research has shown it brings out the best in terms of engagement um, for organizations, but then also in terms of just personal fulfillment, like that's the sweet spot. So I don't know that you ever, you know, I think we overuse the cliche sometimes that if you love what you do, it won't feel like work. Like this feels like work. <laughs> it feels like work. Um, but you have that extra 
on those days where it is feeling like work and say, I know why I'm doing this and I'm passionate about it and I can push through in a way that's really positive versus like the dread. Um, so it's been great. Great. It sounds like it. So, okay, we have heard how you got here, how you decided. Tell us a little bit more about Career Thrivers, what exactly your vision is for the company, and how has the work changed just in the past six months since you really got started full-time? Sure. So Career Thrivers is a leadership development firm. We are based out of Nashville, Tennessee, but we do work anywhere in the U.S., um, in the world, actually. Um, and so primarily the way that we partner with organizations is by helping them to engage, develop and retain diverse talent, um, which we do from two ends. So one through um, coaching and curriculum development for the diverse talent, meaning and when we say diversity, we mean primary diversity. So difference. Um, in age, gender, uh, race, ethnicity. Uh, so we do that. But then we also partner with organizations to help them with their people managers, primarily mid-level management um, as it relates to leadership training. So how do you influence people regardless of their difference to bring out the best in them so they're maximizing their performance at your organization? Um, and that's a skill set. And oftentimes what happens in organizations, especially corporate ones, you have people that have really great expertise that are promoted into leadership roles and now they're leading people and they think that that expertise translates to leadership development and it doesn't leadership development is a completely different skill set so you may be a master at what it is that you do but can you inspire people or teach people to do that at their level of mastery um, and so really helping leaders cultivate those skills that regardless of what the talent looks like um, they're able to bring out the best in their people is really at the core of what we love doing and so we really see leadership development as the intersection of diversity and inclusion. So although I do a lot of work that a lot of companies call DNI or DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, um, which sometimes gets funneled under HR. But at the end of the day, for us, it really boils down to your leaders, how they're leading their people, regardless of their difference. Um, and so that's essentially what we do every day through speaking, coaching and consulting. Okay. That sounds so important, especially right now. So you're saying work with people and their differences, different from um, being, I guess, not white, less white, less male than the average corporate employee. Is that what you mean by diverse and um, working with them on their differences? Just any any type of diversity when it comes to age, gender, race? Yes. So one of the kind of core workshops that I absolutely love doing is really around kind of helping to level set because I think we oftentimes kind of use those words interchangeably and people, I mean, you just say the word diversity and people get a picture in their mind of what that means, which could be, you know, a hundred different things. Right. Um, all diversity is, is difference. Um, diversity just means different, whatever that, so you, you hear sometimes diversity of thought. Well, it's just different 
thought than the status quo or diversity as it relates to um, external kind of primary features or features that you can't change. Um, so diversity is difference. Inclusion is intentional action to include that difference. And so at the end of the day, the work that we do with career thrivers is really around culture building to build that inclusion because you have the the difference or the diversity almost as a default. Some organizations okay. don't. And that's not exactly what we do. So I don't necessarily, I don't do diversity recruiting. Um, now there are things that you can do within your organization that will help to attract diversity if that's the organization's issue. But the really the core is around, is your culture such that if you were to attract diverse talent, that they would want to stay, that they would mm -hmm. believe they belong. And really that comes through the intentional action to include difference or inclusion. And then equity is just when you are able to have outcomes that aren't determined by difference. So if you kind of think hierarchically, equity would be kind of the end goal, like the ideal state um, that you rarely see um, if ever. So that the, the idea for us is how can we partner with the organization to get to that inclusion space where their talent, regardless of their difference, really believe that they belong at that organization. I've got a question around remote workers. Do you deal with a lot of companies that have a, have a lot of remote workers and how do you deal with changing the culture or maintaining a, a cohesive and inclusive culture with remote workers? Sure, and that that's a that's often often the challenge, um, and I'll say that culture building is definitely top down. So the way that you really impact culture, um, particularly if you're at an organization where there's a lot of remote work. So and I can just think back to even Pfizer was is that way. So our sales organization was all remote. Like I can remember working here and people being like, okay, so what is what is it exactly that you do? <laughs> because I didn't have a building. There is no Pfizer building here. Um, I worked right. out of my home and then I traveled a lot. I was in doctor's offices and I had you know different zip codes outside of the city. So um, when you have a work environment that's like that, um, you really have to really get really intentional about the communication, um, whether it be you know videos from senior leaders, initiatives are a great way to really build culture, but it really has to come top down and then I say top down, but then also middle out. So those first line middle level managers are extremely important. So having strategies in place, and now it's interesting, I see a lot of organizations that have things like a diversity council, where they're really the brains behind what does this look like at our organization to get to a place where we are inclusive because we realize we're not, which is the kind of the first step. Hmm. So can you give us just one specific example? What's something that you would do with an organization tactically to help them become the type of place where someone like you would want to go to work and stick around for a long time? Sure. So I love that. I was just having this conversation today uh, with a corporate finance organization here in town. So. Uh, one of the things that we were discussing very, very tactically is their programming. So what what you often see with organizations of a certain size is that they have some element of learning and development investment, uh, meaning that they're doing some level of training or some level of coaching, but oftentimes it's for the senior leaders. So your senior level executives will have an executive coach or they'll have, you know, they'll go to leadership training, but then it'll stop there there's nothing for mid-level management. And so the conversation that I was having today was, okay, you have mid-level managers 
and people that are interested in being mid-level managers, what are you doing to support their growth? And how can we put a program in place that signals that you're thinking about this primarily millennial talent at this particular organization as your next generation of leaders and you're intentional about developing them towards where they want to go. Um, and so we kind of sketched out, uh, penciled out the skeletons for a program that would make sense for this particular organization. So that's just one example of what we would do um, to take a very tactical approach to more of a strategic problem around inclusion. Yeah, that's great. Makes sense. So Brittany, what is one thing or who is someone that you've really leaned on in the past six months as you're getting started? So a book, a podcast, a person, an idea, just something that you really leaned on that you feel like I could not have gone out on my own without this. Okay, so I have to do two, Elizabeth. <laughs> so one, because when you first said that, when you first asked me that question, the first picture in my mind was definitely my husband. So he has been amazing throughout this entire process. Um, you know, I think in, in today's society and in, in, in today's Nashville, let me just say that um, having a having a two person income is really, really important, a consistent one. <laughs> it's extremely important. And, you know, quite frankly, that was a lot of my hang up with making this decision that really was obvious in terms of just a lot of the specifics that kind of led me to kind of what I like to think of as like I was kind of walked to the cliff. <laughs> but then I had to make the decision to jump. <laughs> um, <laughs> a good analogy. So yeah. So he was really supportive and saying like, he was like, jump, jump. You got this. We got this. Um, so I, I could not have done this without his support. And it's so funny. Uh, we, of course, we just celebrated Valentine's Day and um, he signed his card. <laughs> his name is Joseph Cole. He puts in parentheses, <laughs> Career Thrivers Business Team. <laughs> because oh, he really is like the behind the scenes everything right now. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I would not be functional without him for sure. Um, and then the second resource I would definitely say is my coach. And so I believe anyone that does coaching, like the first sign of like particularly caution flag is if the coach doesn't have a coach. Um, and so Marshawn Evans Daniels is my coach. She's a business coach. She is amazing and a resource that I believe every person should read. She has this book. It's called Believe Bigger discovering the path to your life purpose. And she really maps out this model for stages of life and how you can end up on a path that is the path either that you felt like you should be on because you majored in something or because your parents were this or that, or just life circumstances that kind of led you on this career path. And then you wake up and realize this isn't exactly where I wanna be. And how do you get to that place of purpose? That's what the whole book is about. And it's it's exceptional. It's literally changed my life. It's, ama it's an amazing read. And so I definitely recommend that. Just added it to my list. It sounds really good. Awesome. That sounds great. Okay, Blake, do you have any other questions before I ask the last question? The last question. Well, so you guys are both at the the Entrepreneur Center, the, the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. Right? Currently. You guys, you guys currently. Met. Yeah, like physically there together in different rooms. Um, yes. And that's where you guys met. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, Brittany, like, what is, what's one of the benefits that you've found being around all those people? Because I'm also a member and I love the hundred bucks a month is just beneficial just to be in, in the culture. 
you know, like I'm not there that often, but I'd love it. So what are your thoughts on the Entrepreneur Center? Totally. And you know what, Blake, I'm the same, particularly with the work that I do. And so sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, I'll, you know, I'll either work at home or I'll be right. at a client space. And I'm like, can I just get a room? And I'm like, I should probably go down to the EC because I'm paying there. I mean, exactly. I'm paying to be there. But um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like the culture is is awesome. And I, I'll also say not to get like too deep on my mental health soapbox that I can get on sometimes. But um, the, the, the one thing that people don't tell you about entrepreneurship <laughs> is um, the mental toughness that is required to do this kind of work. And so I think it's really interesting. You know, I came from an environment where it, it wasn't quite, so I spent some time in office in our headquarters in New York, like seeing people every day in, an building, in a building setting. But otherwise I was out seeing different people. And so just the interaction, and I didn't realize how much I thrived off of that, like just the energy of meeting new people and talking to people. And I mean, you all know like this entrepreneurship journey, I mean, you can literally be at a table and sit for hours <laughs> and you know it's like not have any like true human contact and so you know i love being here even now it's like i'll just get up and like walk out to the red bicycle area just walk around say hello to some folks and then walk back in or like um earlier today i saw two entrepreneurs that i know and we had a chance to just kind of briefly connect so i think just that human connection here and everyone is always so helpful the resources are amazing it's definitely worth the money <laughs> that i spend whether i'm in the building or not for right. sure yeah the, the resources there's events all the time i don't know if you're in the slack channel but the slack channel is like a hidden resource i don't know if you've been in that but there's a it lot of cool is. Stuff wow. yeah i downloaded it recently because i'm like yeah. i wasn't quite as familiar with slack but i'm like oh my goodness events and you know if you need something and ideas mm -hmm. and yeah, it's it's really awesome Cool. Sounds like an ad for the EC. Are they are they a sponsor? And I didn't know there it. You go. <laughs> well, we're kind of we're kind of working our way our way into that. They'll be a sponsor eventually. Cool. Yeah. Okay, Brittany. Last question: How do you define success? Yes. So I define success by being in a place, in a space, mentally, physically, career-wise, where you are thriving. So at the end of the day, no one can answer that question but you. And for me, that means that I'm working in alignment with my purpose. And so I am definitely clear on my areas of strength and expertise, teaching, speaking, curriculum development. And I've made the decision to do that full time. I put all of my energy into it, even um, as currently a solopreneur that has people that I'll contract with. I've learned the power in delegation and shared responsibility so that I can even as an entrepreneur live in my space of mastery for as many hours as I can. And for me, that's success. Amazing. Brittany, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you for Thank spending you. some time with us this afternoon. Where yeah, can we find you online? Yes, so you can find me at Career Thrivers. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-R-S dot com. If you go there, there's a little pop-up box. It lets you download a free guide to packaging your personal brand. So definitely recommend you check that out. And I'm on social media at Career Thrivers and also um, at Style by Brit on Instagram. So check me out on all of those channels and also LinkedIn at Brittany Cole. Okay. Thank you. We'll keep in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Brittany. Bye.